the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I realize in a, in with thousands of shows and radio and podcasts are out there, you've made a choice to look, tune in, and I, I greatly appreciate that. And I, I love being a part of what God's doing on the show and getting a chance to connect with some of the, the best people around the country who are helping us grow, to who are being really different and going against culture, really helping us be more compassionate, more united, and really helping us uh, think through some of the deeper things in life. So I am honored to be a part of this. And uh, I right now we have on, on online with my buddy, Mike Brown. Hi, Mike. Hey, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm, yeah the sun is shining, <laughs> and uh, it's good. I uh, just got back from Los Angeles, and uh, I would actually drove right in the, the hood of Mike. And Mike and I, we need to spend more time in person. That is a true statement, sir. <laughs> That's right. So Mike and I got to have gotten to know each other. We've been friends for a couple of years, and he's the he's a pastor uh, and a speaker and author, and he's the director of Family Table. Uh, his background uh, includes his time in, in in Mexico, and he's plant church planting. And his um, Family Table is a nonprofit that coaches and connects the local church to children in the foster care system. So Mike is married to Amy. And you have how many children? Four? Four children? We have four biological. Four biological children. And they're active foster parents uh, living out the call of Christ and caring for these uh, these children. And just a, just a fantastic guy. I love Mike. And uh, so I guess I, I get to call my friends up, people who are doing amazing things. And But Mike, uh, before we, Mike is also an author of a book, which we're going to get to spend some time with. But before we get into your book, we like to play this game called Fake News. And on fake news, we do something that's true and not true, and I try to guess which one is fake. So let me. Let's, I gave you a good one this time, Jonathan. Okay, I'm ready. So you you just tell me. So I I give you the, the two truths and a lie. You give me one truth, one 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 that's true, one that's not, and I try to guess which one's fake. Okay, so one true, one lie. Basically, yeah. Okay. I once witnessed a murder at a restaurant in Hollywood, not knowing it was a murder mystery party. Oh, okay. Okay. And I swallowed a live slug on a bet about the human digestive system. Okay. So given our age, there were times in, it was that a youth, a youth ministry kind of thing? The third, number three, the second one? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I'm going to say, well, either of those are plausible, 
I think either yeah, very much possible. I'm going to say that you did not witness – that sounds like a movie scene and that you actually ate a live slug. No. I oh. have actually eaten a live goldfish, Gold, not a slug. Not a but slug. But I did witness a okay. murder. Wow. At a restaurant in Hollywood on my 18th birthday, not knowing that it was a murder that mystery party. That is hilarious. It that was is... not at the time. It was not. Okay. <laughs> 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 this day, it would probably be a viral video of like guy goes yeah. berserk watching murder mystery. Yep. Doesn't what missed out on it? I could totally see. Yeah. That. I guess. Well, there was a lot of goldfish eating, or the you know the the tooth toothpaste and you know passing the cup right. down those kind of days and those Absolutely. crazy days so a slug would have been a pretty high a list but I, I you got me so here's the school i pretend like i know what i'm talking about i'm just guessing i don't really know anything about fake news <laughs> i don't who are we kidding so, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's great so uh you just finished a book and i think the topic of the book is fascinating and for anyone in, in, a, in their journey with Christ, whether you're an established Christian leader or just a brand new person, I think this is an important thing to, to, to wrestle with. So tell me about your book. What it's, what's it called? Um, and why do you think it's important? Yeah, so the book is called Liminal, and the subtitle is Transition, Thresholds, and Waiting with God in the Space Between. Mm. And the word liminal means a threshold. It is neither where you were coming from nor where you are going. It's an in-between place. And I have been through several in-between places in my life, in my career, in my marriage, in my parenting. Mm. And my contention is that that is where the biblical phrase, waiting on God, actually comes into play. Mm. The problem is waiting on God sounds very spiritual. Yes. But being stuck in life just feels terrible. Yes. And we feel like there is a lack of God's blessing and communication and guidance. And yet I think it's in the in-between spaces of our lives, Mm. those liminal spaces, that God does his best work if we're able to pay attention to it. And so Some of those spaces are a normal course of life. You graduate high school and you're entering college. Right. You take a new job. You leave a job. You uh, get married. You are divorced. You're an empty nester. There's a lot of seasons in our life that we're just simply not prepared for how to show up in it because we only know where we've been. And I think that's where Jesus really wants to do work in us. That's really, really important. So, and I like the fact that you use a term that I think everyone can relate with: feeling stuck, and yeah. uh, or you know, like you just don't know what your next step is. You you know, and you hear lots of messaging, and it, and or you have a lot of comparison, but that you have, but you're you're left with this feeling of like I'm stuck. <laughs> and you might have yeah. a job, you might have a you might have a marriage, and you might be going to a, a, the same church for the twenty years and whatever, but. That feeling, I think everyone in some way in their life can relate to. So I think very, very important. Yeah. Mm. And but so, so let's start first with like Christian leaders. So because the, you actually directly target Christian leaders in many ways, and you as as a Christian leader yourself, 
why do you why do you think that they need to understand this, or why do you think it's important to talk about? Well, I think for most of us as Christian leaders, we begin when we are much younger, and you never have to wait too long for something new or exciting. Mm-hmm. It is kind of this upward trajectory of one opportunity to the next. And we get started, and then we get married, and then we have our first child, and then we, you know, become a pastor, become a a director, become a leader of some nonprofit. There's always something to look forward to and to set your sights on, which gives you the impression of forward momentum. Right, right. And then there comes a time in every single person's life Mm -hmm. called midlife where there's a lot more looking back over opportunities that never materialized. Yeah. There's a lot of having to grieve dreams that we had for our lives that are just simply not going to come to pass. Mm-hmm. And we have to rethink once we get to the place where all of those major exciting life transitions are kind of winding to an end. I don't get invited to many weddings anymore because at this <laughs> point, all of my friends are married. And unless I'm the one doing the wedding, there's really not a reason to be there. Right, And right. yet the funerals begin to increase and right. so on. And so mm-hmm. it's a different season of life where you feel stuck more often than not. Yeah. And you feel like God is asking you to sit and to wait, but you don't know what for. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's when he wants to get our attention. Whew, I, boy, I can say that. <laughs> Having pers- I can totally relate to that at multiple times in my life, and and there's probably a little, maybe a ten percent sense that I'm in that point, waiting for things as well. So this is not. This is both conceptually very interesting and theologically, I think, very rich, but also personally, mm-hmm. very important to just talk through about this idea. Um, yeah, and so. In the book, you say maturity comes from learning to live in the tension with acceptance of both brokenness and wholeness in our lives. Why do you think that's so? Yeah, so in the book, I talk about when I began my leadership career, three things were true about me. Mm -hmm. I was young, I was gifted, and I was insecure. Yeah. And two of those things seem like a liability. To yeah. what I wanted to accomplish. And so pretty naturally, I started downplaying my youth and my insecurity while leaning into my giftedness. Right. And over time, my gift became the primary identifying feature of myself. Mm. And I think it's at least important to say this all happened while having a pretty um, orthodox theology of being in Christ versus doing for Christ. Yeah. This is, this is not a function of bad theology or bad thinking. Right. It's a function of never having to appropriate it in my life and realizing that I was not just a bundle of gifts and experiences and personalities that in some of the areas that I can shine the brightest, mm-hmm. I have a pretty big shadow that I did not want to admit was there for a long time. Mm. And I think that maturity 
comes neither from denying our weaknesses and our shadow side and the ways that we hurt people, and even more specifically, understanding how we hurt people when we're not healthy, yeah. but also from a right realization of the good gifts that God has given to us and things that we can do. And maturity is holding the tension and living in between both of those, realizing that we're neither all gifted or all negative, right? but we actually have to pay attention. Mm. And that is that a like was that that wasn't like an aha moment that probably was a deeper longer journey for you correct well yeah so i it it's a source of shame to be honest right now yeah. but i lived pretending i was an emotional robot with no limits for most of my ministry mm-hmm. at least a good 15 yeah. years right And I was always affirmed for things that I was doing good. There was always something I was looking forward to. And I began to think that there was um, a lot of really good things that were going on. We're just going to keep moving forward. And up until that point, the year was 2015, I had never really experienced any major loss. Mm. And so I was able to kind of sweep any kind of grieving under the rug in favor of the joy set before me. And so I would just keep going forward and then got to a season where Jesus, in his unmistakable mercy, hamstrung me and Mm. put me on the sidelines where I had to begin paying attention to a lot of things that were at play, but I didn't know. Mm. And it was in that liminal space that I had to reevaluate a lot of things that were true about me um, simply because I had the emotional space to do so um, and to ask a different set of questions. And it was um, in every sense of the phrase dying to self Mm -hmm. in a way that didn't sound spiritual or feel right. that way. It right. felt like a literal death. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is a Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Mike Brown on the line, a, a pastor and author and director of Family Table in L.A., and he, we're talking about his book, The Lim, Liminal Space. And um, this has been a very interesting uh, conversation, and I, I think I think hopefully everyone listening can relate in one way or the other with this. And um, so, what biblical character often inspires you? Who kind of had to face this liminal space? Um, because we often want to get, we want to solve quickly, we want to get on, we want to mm-hmm. get unstuck, we want to, you know forgive and forget and so to speak or so and move on but what character do you think modeled to you or or multiple characters modeled to you this oh my favorite is the the son of thunder we're we're introduced to john as he wants to call down fire from heaven to burn up some unbelievers <laughs> and yet we're introduced to him at the end of his life as the apostle of love Hmm. And in Scripture, we have hints of, of 
major life trajectories in the life of the Apostle John. Yeah. But we simply don't know the multitude of conversations that God had to work in him to become uh, to be go to go from being known as a son of thunder to an apostle of love. Mm. And I wonder even after he was known for his emphasis in his writings on love, how many times was his first thought to still call down thunder on someone yeah yeah before he had to take that thought captive <laughs> to the Lord i would much rather dispense say, justice in this moment <laughs> exactly exactly yeah because the truth is for many of us some of our most fundamental flaws and weaknesses are never completely redeemed or healed mm. and the win is being able to recognize it quicker and quicker so that we're less likely to fall into those same traps. But it would be foolish to think that Jesus heals 100% of 100% of our sinful tendencies 100% of the time. Yeah, that's right. It's not that way. I wish. I know, nice. that's right. Well, that's a great <laughs> uh, like character arc of where John ended up from where he started. I hadn't really thought about like the, the, that, that connection but that what 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 a true example of that and so and i the other thing is the idea that that the limits forced on us by losses and and mm. and what does that have to do with like the liminal seasons of our life yeah I, for me that was the biggest one because i did not pay attention to the fact that as a human being i had limits I did not pay attention to the fact that there was a lot of loss in my life that mm-hmm. I had not taken the time to grieve. And liminal seasons, by their very nature of slowing us down so we can't pay attention to something else, mm-hmm. they force us to do business with our own loss. And mm-hmm. that could be the actual loss of someone that we love. It could be the loss of a season of life or in the case of ambiguous loss, the loss of a friendship or a job that's still there but no longer yours. Right, right. And I think that these losses are invitations from Jesus to pay attention to what's happening inside of us during these times. Mm. And one of my deepest convictions is that loss itself is often the catalyst for substantial interior change. Interesting. And Uh when we blame the loss or the grief itself, we can miss out on identifying unhealthy attachments or identity issues that Jesus wants us to pay attention to. And that's where emotions are really helpful in this regard, because they alert us to some of the inner struggles that we're having. And even when those emotions are overblown or untrue, they're still meant to grab our attention about something deeper that's going on inside of us that loss um, typically reveals. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, I, I know, I have watched too many of my peers get to the place where Jesus is doing more than whispering to them about an invitation to rethink their life and ministry so as to not gain the world and lose their soul, and I've watched them refuse it. Uh, uh, And I know it was only God's grace in my life that I had come to the end of everything that I had trusted Mm. in myself, 
and I couldn't even pretend to be strong anymore. Mm. And it was only at that place that I truly began to allow for the fact that the weakness of God is made perfect, or the strength of God is made perfect in our, in our weakness. weakness. Yes, um, that preaches really well. I just hate feeling that way. Right. Yeah, the concept we can agree to, but it means like I lose my job, I lose my, I mean, I'm, or there can be even shame involved, or my 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 weakness could be I lose my family or rejection or you know or parent. Absolutely. You know, there's so it's it's a broad category that we don't want to. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, so aware that the the you can often find your significance in the, in in the direction you're going, and God will even humble us to take that away at times in our life, because that means yeah. our direction isn't what makes us significant. It's just our, our God loves us in who, with who we are, right? Is that a, yeah. Would that be and a fair is, analogy? Yeah, this is certainly not a one-and-done season that happens and then you learn from it. Yeah, There are repeated liminal seasons in our life that are also invitations to, to lessing, lesser, lesser, greater degrees, but are still an invitation to pay attention to something. Um, you know, even now, my wife and I are sending our oldest son off to college, Yes, which represents a change of a relationship that we enjoy very much, knowing that it is right to send him out and to, to forge yeah. his own identity <laughs> right. apart from us. Yeah. We know that even his schedule is going to change. And we were talking about family vacation next year. Does that yeah. mean he's not going to be with us on family vacation? Right. That's right. going to be heartbreaking the first year that it happens. But it's also good and right and appropriate that it happens. Yeah. But now we kind of have to rethink about the way we have engaged in relationship with our children as they become adults. Mm. And that's another liminal space. Mm. And so, really, I think I, I think about this. It's like, and even how I would describe this in one sentence to someone else is like, the danger. There can be a danger when we want to get unstuck. <laughs> is that? I mean, um, and you're saying yeah. there's value in the times of being stuck. That there's bigger things going on than just re- re- solving the situation. So for me, when I'm feeling stuck, my assumption is that this is a distraction from the work that God wants to do in and through my life. Yeah. And it's moving from that to a recognition that the feeling stuck itself is the work that God Mm. is doing in my life. Mm. And (laughs) by being able to sit patiently before Him, to read Scripture, to pray, to invite the Spirit, to, in, to for us to see what's in front of us, what's inside of us, what's going on around us. Sometimes the greatest work that God does is not something through us, but in us, because He is still jealous for us to be in a relationship where our greatest joy is being with Him. Wow. And we need those seasons to remind us that even when there is no fruit on the vine, mm-hmm. I'll still trust him because I want to be with him. And I don't need the promise of some tangible fruit to know that he's with me. That's a tough one. And because we are, because oftentimes our faith is small, we want to see the fruit, but 
Wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, me too. Having me too. <laughs> I know we've had enough personal conversations. We both walked through some dark days, and uh, and I'm glad to see God has used your story to be an encouragement um, to 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 others. And I'm just praying that this book can be, you know, a vehicle for sharing that and getting people to think broader about maybe something. I feel that you're bringing up something that's very counterculture because we're very production oriented. We're somebody based on what we do. How, you know, uh, what do you do is a first question to getting to know someone. And yeah. And so when we get into these places where, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pastor's heart, but I don't have a church or I have a, I don't have a ministry or I don't have, <laughs> or I, I'm a mother, but my kids have all left, you know, or yeah. I'm a, I'm a businessman, but I, my business just collapsed, you know? Those are really, yep. really important times. And again, just in the last minute, just that I just I want to hear your, your thought on the the idea that time heals all wounds. Just just speak quickly on that. Just yeah, so. yeah. I I completely disagree that time <laughs> is the only ingredient that yeah. heals because yeah. if suffering alone were sufficient to teach, everyone would be wise because yes. everybody suffers, and we've all seen and known people who have actually become more bitter over time. And instead of saying yes to those invitations from Jesus to do some really hard inner work, they simply become more bitter about their own unfulfilled dreams, their own desires that aren't going to come to pass, and they manage to find a scapegoat for those unfulfilled things from everyone around them, and they just become more and more bitter. Yeah. Oh. So sometimes time can harden clay until it cracks. Cal- builds calluses, and we all, unfortunately, we all probably all know some people like that who, and we might even be that person if we, some of us look hard <laughs> yeah. in the mirror, and and I know oh, it's life draining when you're around people. You know they've just they've become so callous to the working of God. And but this has been a Absolutely. great conversation. I pray for that all of us can open, soften our seat. Like, what does God do in our lives, and what is He trying to teach us? And not rush the the, the holy process of, of that He's doing to sanctify us. But Mike, this has been a great conversation. How can people find your book on on Amazon? Yep, they can find it at uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Walmart. Okay. Under Liminal, L-I-M-I-N-A-L. And again, my name is Mike Brown, so it's pretty easy to find there. I really appreciate yeah, thank you. thank you, Jonathan. God bless you I and your ministry. Thanks. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.